everyone. Welcome to the Vibe Chat Podcast. My name is Chris Langley, owner of Vibe Speech Therapy. Today, I'd like to talk about parts of speech. As soon as I say, what part of speech is that? Kids look at me with a blank stare. For some reason, parts of speech joins this abstract realm and kids file it like way far away in a faraway place. But when I go on to say, you know, like a person, a place, a thing, an action, describing word, then they get this like some glimmer of recollection starts twinkling in their eyes. And then we start breaking it down. Now, admittedly, I'm more excited than they are, but that's all the fun. So I want to help these kids understand these grammatical terms. These And understanding them is really important because it helps them to classify their knowledge. And this is, in this case, according to function. This is so that they can remember and retrieve the information and build these complex sentences we want them to build. Understanding how words are classified grammatically and then how to put them together syntactically gives structure when formulating sentences both verbally and graphically, which makes it easier for them to deconstruct it when necessary, such as in proofreading. I love proofreading. So verbally and graphically. So verbally, we want them to be able to say these words and and use them correctly and know how to describe things and put all the appropriate words together in the right way. And graphically, we want them to be able to do that when they write. And most often, writing is significantly harder for kids, people in general, than speaking. The reading, writing, listening, speaking domain, the typically the writing is the most difficult. So deconstructing is a big thing in language. When we're learning language, we want to construct and deconstruct, put it together, take it apart. Because if you can take something apart, I, you know, I'll compare this to something that I can't take apart. I can't take apart a car like a mechanic does. But a mechanic is is a good analogy in the situation because, you know, if they're taking your car apart and they can put it back together, wow, they really know what they're doing. They're really fluent in that area. So we want to be able to do that with language. I want to help kids take their language apart and understand the pieces that are there and then be able to put it together and put it together in such a way that they're making a Ferrari when they're done, you know, they're, or, or an e-vehicle or some sort of hybrid, whatever they want, but, you know, something that works really well and runs for a while. So we want them to be able to build these things. And proofreading is such a wonderful skill. Proofreading is something I do a lot uh, with, I would say, upper elementary, more middle and high school. We do a lot of proofreading, especially if we're working on those reading skills and writing skills together. It's significant. Um, It's a significant skill for them to develop. And when they have this proofreading skill, they'll find that they become more reflective they become more mindful and then they take more of their time, which is what I always want them to do. Don't let's not rush. If you don't know, let's take your time. If you don't know, let's think about this process a bit. You know, we don't need to be in a hurry. We just need to sort out what we're doing and, and get going there. So there are nine types of speech that build a strong foundation for complex sentences. Speech goes a little all over the place. Sometimes it can get really elaborate. We're not going to go too far away. We're just going to stick to some some basic functions here. And I'd like to share them with you in 
um, help you to know how to help your child or your loved one or someone that you care about if they're needing support in this area, how to help them to build it. One thing to know is um, open versus closed classes of speech. So open classes of speech are nouns and verbs, adjectives and adverbs. Those change as language develops. Words that are used change over time and the linguistic environment allows for this change. We see that as a, you know, maybe something that uh, the speech that was used in one generation is shifting in another generation. There's new words Google wasn't a word at one time. Googling wasn't a word at one time. It's become, it's a noun and it's a verb. It's become all of these things. So we are always creating these new words and it's it's fun. Um, but in contrast, closed classes don't change. So these would be our prepositions, our conjunctions, articles, determiners, interjections. So and is and, and it's always going to be and. It's not going to change. It just is what it is. So let's let's jump into nouns. We know that nouns are a person, place, thing, or idea, and that they can take on many roles in a sentence. They can be the subject, it can be the object of the action, and that they're capitalized when they're the name of something or someone. Right? Bridge can be Golden Gate Bridge, could be the name of the bridge. So uh, a phone, or it could be an iPhone. So those are your basics with nouns. Pronouns take they're like kind of like the well, the stand-in, right, you could say. So they take the place of nouns in a sentence. And they could be more generic versions. So if I'm going to say the girl, if I say she, then, you know, it's a girl is pretty generic as well. And we could say she is also. But it takes the place of the noun in the sentence. And we use them all of the time. I, you, he, she, it, ours, them, who, which anybody, ourselves, those are all pronouns. And pronouns are um, significant in our world today in this time that we're living in. People are more conscious of them. So I think it's interesting actually to um, have parts of speech be more aware in everyone's vocabulary. Uh, the verb is the action word that tells what happens in the sentence. And it can also show a sentence subject's state of being. We have is, we have was, so we have your present and past tense. And there's also the count distinction, singular versus plural. So we can have the word sing, sang, sings. So we have the sing is the present tense, the sang is the past tense, sings is the third person singular. She sings a song. So that's our verbs. We all are aware of verbs and the action words. Kids like verbs. We all like action, action. Well, maybe we don't, but I do. I like action, action. It's fun. Things change. And adjectives are the most, uh, let's say, decorative. There are describing words. They describe nouns and pronouns, and they specify which one, how much, what kind. And they allow readers and listeners to use their senses to imagine something more clearly. Hot, lazy, funny, unique, bright, beautiful, smooth. I am a lover of poetry. And I, when I teach poetry to kids, I try to take that kind of uh, out of poetry. <laughs> always hear that sound oh, when I say the word poetry. And it brings a little bit of sadness to my heart. But I try to help kids know that it can be fun. You know, poetry doesn't have to be, you know, this boring, abstract task. There's many different kinds of poetry. And using adjectives 
and poetry is just, you can't really have it without that. And then of course, figurative language, but that's for a different podcast. So adjectives brighten everything up. They make it so much more interesting. And I think that, you know, kids really dig them. They really like describing something, what it's like and getting your senses involved. You know, you get all of your five senses. What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it taste like? So uh, that's your that's your adjective. And the adverb describes verbs, adjectives, and even other adverbs. Specifically when, where, why, how, how something happened, to what extent it happened, how often it happened. They can be positive or negative. They can refer to time, speed, and describe sound and tone. For example, I'll give you an example of each one. So for like a positive one, there's a lot of LYs. Now, I just have to say this first. So adverbs often have LY at the end, and that's how you can be like, aha, it's an adverb. But sometimes they don't. So I tell kids, like, the, all the ones I have to share with you do, except for one. But there are some that don't, so they have to be mindful of that. So for a, a positive adverb would be like boldly, uh, negative would be badly for indicating time. It could be always for speed, instantly sound. It could be audibly or for tone awkwardly. So you can see how it's describing, giving you more information about the verb. So when you're teaching this to kids and I'm working with kids on this, we want to link I make I do a lot of visual supports and and write things out and draw lines to who's modifying who what's giving more information about what you can color code you can do all types of things you can put boxes around whatever you like to do whatever seems um, most satisfying and pleasing to the eye you can do that and for prepositions Prepositions tell us where things are in space and time. They show spatial, temporal, and these role relations between the noun and the pronoun or other words in a sentence. And they come at the start of a prepositional phrase, which contains the preposition and its object. For example, like um, over the hill or um, by the chair, close to the counter, you know, things like that. So that's your prepositional phrase, which is telling you where space and time, where things are, how they relate to each other. We can't live without prepositions, that's for sure. Conjunctions, uh, these are the join things. They connect. When I was growing up, okay, I'll date myself. When I was growing up, they had conjunction, junction, what's your function? You know, this whole schoolhouse rock thing. It was on TV and I used to watch it. And, you know, it was old school, but it, but it got the point across and I, I got it. So these is what conjunctions do. They, they join these words and phrases and clauses. There's different types. I had just done a podcast on uh, coordinating conjunctions. Um, and so there's coordinating. And then there's also correlative, like both and, either or. And then there's subordinating, like while and before and since. And for the coordinating, that's like the fanboys, you know, for and nor, but or yet so. Those are the coordinating conjunctions. And those are great for building our complex sentences. Then uh, the next one I wanted to share with you is articles and determiners. They sound kind of like, what are those things? Now, an article is just basically a, an, and the. So 
those are it's kind of, I don't want to say it's a fancy word because it's not really that fancy, but it's kind of a dry word, I guess you would say, for a little tiny word we use all the time. And the the articles, they're they're different than adjectives in that they're essential to the structure, like the proper syntax of a sentence. So determiners identify and quantify nouns. So here you have these indefinite and definite for articles. So an article like a or an is indefinite. So if I say, uh, I have an apple, then I, it could be any old apple. It could be, you know, or there is a boy. It could be any boy there. It's just a boy. But if I say there is the boy or there is the apple, then it's definite. I'm talking about a specific one. I see the cat. It means I know that cat from somewhere. I've seen that cat, or I'm referring to a cat that I identify with in some way, shape, or form. But if I just say, oh, I see a cat, I I don't know that cat from Adam. I don't know who that is, but I see it. So you see how indefinite versus definite. Now, the determiners, like I was saying, they identify and quantify nouns. And so those are these, that, those, enough, much, few, which, what, those types of words we use. These apples, it's, it's determining, it's identifying and quantifying something. So these are kind of like article and determiner might be kind of a drier word, but we know what we're talking about. And one thing I have to say about uh, these articles for A and an, I'm always teaching kids, when you have an A, next to a word that begins with a vowel, you can't use, you can't use the A, you have to use an. So I say an apple, not a apple. So that's something that you can on, you know, teach in an ongoing way uh, when you're working with your child or your loved one, when they're acquiring their speech and language skills, make sure that they're using the correct article for the word that they're pairing it with when it comes to a and an. For the last one on interjections, uh, these are expressions that stand on their own. Um, They can be contained within sentences and these words carry strong emotions and they convey reactions like, huh? Wow, ouch, whoa. I like interjections. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't want an interjection? I think today what we do is we, we put emojis in their place. And we do like the one with the, one of my favorites has those big eyes, you know, oh, that's the, huh? Or wow. I guess it's, it's multi-use on that one. But uh, yeah, so that's, um, those are some interjections. Basically they have a exclamation point most of the time, except for, huh? Could have a question mark on it. Uh, now, what to do with all this information? What, how do we, how do we make things grow? How do we build sentences? What do we do? Uh, There's a few ideas for you. One, model them in everyday speech throughout the day. This is an innate thing that I think a lot of parents do. They're modeling, maybe not consciously. So I think the trick is to put a little more conscious intention and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to model this, you know? So usually when we model something, we go a little bit slower and we're paying attention to how exactly we're saying it. So that's basically what you want to do now, just in your regular speech and your conversation and within the family structure or with your friends and family, whatever the, um, the, uh, environment is for the individual, you can just, you know, speak as usual. You don't have to be mindful and conscious all the time about what you're saying and how you're saying it. 
but you can just speak freely and know that your uh, language is providing the information to the listener. They're providing them with the content words and the uh, structure. So I take it back. Maybe a little bit of the content words we want to be mindful of. <laughs> I think we could all, you know, be a little bit more mindful of our content words. So, but in that respect, you want to think about, okay, I want to help uh, this person or my child learn about such and such. You know, maybe I want to have them learn more about pronouns. Or maybe I want to have them learn more about verbs. Verbs are actually much more fun than pronouns. So let's go to verbs. So I want them to learn more about verbs. So I'm going to emphasize. So usually when we emphasize, we increase our volume and reduce our rate. I'm going to emphasize uh, my action words. And I'm going to use a visual cue with that. Maybe it's my hand or maybe it's a picture. And I'm going to really get my point across. So that's the difference of just kind of going along and letting yourself be an excellent model just in your daily life versus being more of a mindful model. So that's what you can do with modeling. You can target specific activities where you will directly teach and demonstrate the use of this specific vocabulary. For example, in playtime or mealtime, discussions in the car and road trips, homework time is excellent. Uh, even watching TV and movies, you can, I know nobody wants anything to go on pause when they're watching, but every once in a while, if you have to do like a natural pause, someone's going to the bathroom or getting a snack or something, you can engage, you know, uh, the vocabulary, you can talk about things and, you know, talk about uh, verbs or pronouns or adjectives, actually adjectives would be good in that case, because there's a lot of describing. So you could do that. And playtime is really good time to do all of that stuff. Wow, you can do so much during playtime. In fact, when we're doing a lot of play-oriented therapy with our younger ones, it's, I mean, that's a language-rich environment completely. So, and often child-led, which, well, it's a partnership, I'd say. So an- another one is um, choosing words from each of the categories and then seeing what sentences you can create. So maybe that's for more uh, school-age can just take and say, okay, let's take three verbs. Let's take three nouns. Let's take uh, three adverbs. And then let's, what can we make? What can we, ooh, let's make a cool sentence. And it can be a silly sentence or or maybe you want to like type up a letter uh, or use a homework assignment that they have. And then I used to have, uh, when I was much younger, I used to have these, those magnetic poetry words and on the fridge and you can make sentences. I was, I could stand there for a long time and just make (laughs) different things. I'd get, you know, my mind would get really philosophical and I create these poetic things. So um, maybe they're not going to go that way, but you know, I like poetry. So this is the thing that's it's uh, it's useful. It's useful for that. Uh, Another thing you can do is you can cut out, cut out, sorry, cut out parts of speech into big letters. So let's say you cut out the word uh, noun, you know, like a big N, a big O, a big U, a big N. And then you take each letter and you fill it, person, place, thing, idea. And so you've got the word noun. It's like an art project. This is for the artsy uh, leaning folks. You, you can you can put pictures in there. You can write words in there. You can, you can decorate it. You can put I know glitter is like not something people want in their houses because it's such a mess, but you can do all kinds of stuff. But the point is, is that once they look at this giant crafty, artsy, crafty 
formation, they can see all the words that they filled in there are nouns. So it's really great. And you can, you can make it distinct as much as you like. You can create the different uh, sections or you can just, you know, have at it. I think creating different sections might be easier at first if they don't know the difference between those uh, areas, but otherwise you can go for it. You can also play parts of speech bingo or Jeopardy. I do this with some of my uh, students and clients and uh, the Jeopardy is a fun one. Everybody likes the competitive aspect of that and parts of speech. And for some reason, uh, you know, they, they'll get them mixed up. So it's a perfect way to say, no, this is not a verb. This is a noun. What is this again? No, this is an adjective. Okay. So we're really trying to sort that through and, and, and kind of on the heels of that, I will say that you can sort the words into bins. And that is actually, it's it's a rote task, but it works. You can say, okay, noun, verb, adjective, adverb, da, 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 preposition, you know, interjection. You can just, here's our bins, here's where they go. Choo, 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 choo. So that's that's that. Um, you can look through a magazine and go on parts of speech scavenger hunt cutting and pasting the words into a big board under their category. So that's fun to find the pictures and, and what makes it, you know, uh, although you have to be mindful of, let's say you would cut a picture of a runner. You'd have to know that it's the runner and not a per that it's a verb and not a person. I mean, you know, it can be both, both things, but they'd have to be put it under a specific category. So they would remember that it's runner and not a person. They can also play uh, parts of speech hangman, listing the part of speech used in each round. Well, that's a different thing to do. And um, those silly sentences are always a hit. And then when you're reading a book or an article, you can highlight different parts of speech. Now, of course, you wouldn't want to do maybe necessarily a book that you want to keep or that you don't want highlighted, but you can always photocopy a page or two and say, okay, let's, let's take this page or two and let's highlight all these words. And there's something about a highlighter that kids love. I, I don't know what it is. They really like it. Now you have to monitor the highlighting use because sometimes they'll just go bonkers and highlight everything. And then other times they just take it and start drawing with the highlighter. So, you know, everything has its pros and cons with, the, with this, but the best use of the highlighter is on the specific task itself. So I try to, yeah, guide guide them into how to use it appropriately um, while letting them have a little fun. And uh, also after watching a short video, you can have kids, now this is a little bit older kids, they can write a summary and then they can practice taking it apart from each sentence. Um, not in a super painful way, but just say, okay, let's take, just pick like three sentences of this and then, you know, you take it apart. I always try to give kids a choice because they're more amenable to working with you instead of saying, okay, do this, do this, do this. I mean, we have to say that a lot of times, but if I can, I'll say, okay, you pick which three. I mean, obviously we're doing the task. So you pick which three you want to take out and we'll do those. Then at least they feel like they have some ownership in what's going on and, you know, and then they get to choose rather than being told, hey, do these three. Like, uh, but if they've chosen it, hey, it's a different spin on it. So yeah, there you have it. Most of all, have fun, be creative. Language opportunities are everywhere. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please follow me on Apple and Spotify or on any other podcast platform. And to get more information on speech and language therapy, 
visit my website at vibespeechtherapy.com. Thank you.